Welcome homeowners, home buyers, landlords, and tenants alike. People who just want to be better at living in a home. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. Join Madison Radio's Adam Elliott, real estate broker and landlord Ben Anton, as they break down the modern-day barriers of home ownership. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and if you're not careful, you'll learn. Come on, baby, won't you hold me tighter than your fists curled up in a schoolyard fight? I'll be a baby. Thanks for waiting. That was the waiting song from Madison musician Seesaw. Welcome to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. On Facebook, at in the 608. I'm Adam Elliott. And I'm Ben Anton. And as Ben said, hey, thanks for being here for Real Estate in the 608. This is a podcast where in episode we talk about real estate and we bring in a guest in to talk about real estate. All the fun kinds of things and challenges you can face as a homeowner or a renter. We're going to discuss some of the real estate headlines of the day, recap the highest and lowest price sales in Dane County. Yeah, we'll provide you with a top of the hour tip, some information to help you be a better homeowner, as well as an update on the market that we call, surprisingly, the market update. We surround ourselves with people smarter than we are. And one of those people that we have on each month, Phil Plord, the president of Blimling and Associates, a division of Dairy.com. He'll be in to look beyond the 608. I am surprised each month by like the like the gems. I'm going to plug the newsletter. We usually do that at the end. For those who don't want to listen to us, but only want his gems. Because you can only take so much of us. <laughs> I include his gem yeah. <laughs> in my monthly newsletter, but you don't have to listen to us oh, in advance. Oh, I see. It's like the bypass. The, it's the, kinda, the, the it's easy exactly way to get that. there. Yeah, and we'll also feature local music from artists right here in the 608. Hey, we like to keep it local. My name is Adam. I'm a homeowner, a teacher. I do use experience at UW-Madison. Used to play around on the radio, too. Used to play around. Mm-hmm. You, you're so humble. Oh, that's too nice. I got recognized by the other day. That, that like, got rid of any humbleness that <laughs> I ever had. I, I ran into one of the guys from uh, Audio for the Arts, uh-huh. but you don't know what they look like, right? Right, yeah. I'm at Burrito Drive, and I'm like, are you Buzz Camper? Are you Buzz Camper? <laughs> I know your voice. I don't know who you are, but I know that voice. <laughs> I'm Ben Anton, uh, Buzz Camper aficionado, <laughs> As well as a broker associate at the Lauer Realty Group, uh, landlord ho- and homeowner almost to a problem. <laughs> to a problem space. Almost to where it's getting a little out of control. Oh, well, speaking of who we're going to have in this week, he's not a problem. The thing he deals with probably is a problem to most people, asbestos. We're inviting in Bob Stigsell. Of Advanced Health and Safety. He is He's more of a problem solver than oh, anything. Okay. Uh, and he will do asbestos. He can to both educate and entertain. See, I, I stole. I'm going to let. Now, when you hear that for the first time from him, because I'm betting he'll say it, <laughs> let's pretend it's the first time and uh, and give him the appropriate laugh. All right. All right. So that's who we are, Ben. What's been going on since last time? I talked a little bit last episode of just how busy I felt I was. I was at the time, um, and I think since then I got even a little bit busier. I had just an amazing early October. I just worked my way through like four different inspections. I had I had five accepted oh. offers in a very in a very brief window. Do you think something and then it comes true, or <laughs> does it come true because you thought it? One could argue about this, but sure. anyway, I had a very busy October. I also. I, I joked with a few friends that I cloned myself. Oh, um, congratulations. 
Are we talking to A or B? <laughs> when I first started selling real estate, I worked for my former landlord as like a as like a handy person or help remodel and, and renovate, and she was a flipper. I ran into one of my former tenants who is going into real estate, oh. and I said, hey, if you've got time in between deals, if you're not making what you'd like yet, come on down. I've got work to do. I didn't really clone myself, but uh, in some ways, ah, I gotcha. In some ways, a younger version of myself, aspiring to be a more busy and full time real estate agent, is is helping me get some of my projects done in the same mm. way that I helped my former landlord, then real estate broker, get her job. Done. So maybe more mentoring than cloning. I, I do. I do <laughs> or, think, or is it a straight up DNA replication? <laughs> okay, maybe, maybe. But mentoring seems a little heady too. It's just well, he's a smart guy, and, and yeah. sure we talk we talk a little bit about about real estate and and, uh, and things like that. But at the same time, he's super handy. You may note the fine craftsmanship on the quarter round. Behind I did you. see the uh, the new install here. Yes, yeah. There's some there's some little projects getting done around my house as well. Well done. I think that's like a, 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 almost a responsibility of people to mentor people who are coming up into the field so you can pass along knowledge. You've gained a lot of knowledge in this space, so why not share it? I have, and it's so much easier and more enjoyable to work with people who are smart about it and who take the time. Uh, so spreading that knowledge does come around and benefit you in the end, like literally. For me, since last time, I didn't do anything to help anyone else. I was very self-indulgent and took a trip. I went to Washington, D.C. for a long weekend to see the nation's capital. And guess what? It looks a lot like Madison or maybe Madison looks a lot like it because a lot of it is modeled after it. On the cab ride back from the airport, the cabbie said, I know who Adam Elliott is. I'm like, it's been a long time. He's like, I listen to the radio all the time and he figured it out so uh hello to ralph at union cab ralph at union cab thanks for listening did you say you're gonna have to drop in on my new venture if you want to hear these dulcet tones <laughs> i did not i think it was embarrassing enough to say like okay thanks I, we've, I, I would guarantee we've got some union cab drivers out there you know his his interest was actually listening to the packers game on the radio and i was like well uh, i used to work on radio so maybe i inserted a little <laughs> bit of it too there so that's what's been going on since last time let's talk about the highs and the lows try to hope that the high and the low have a lesson or like mm-hmm. there's some little takeaway. Like and why I, is it high? Why is that the low? Our lows have not been that low lately. Mm-hmm. You know, right. the, we had, I think our, what was our lowest ever was in the forties. Well, the, the low here turns out to sell at $140,000. Oh. So that's like the cheapest sale for a month in Dane County, single family home, highway 19 in the town of Barrie. So you're going you're going west to Baraboo. You take a left at Springfield Corners on 19. Mm-hmm. So a busy road, I think, is what we're talking about. We're going to talk busier than normal. Busy, busy, busier road. But so what at first seems like a great price for like one and a half acres, right? Mm-hmm. Out in like kind of beautiful mm-hmm. on the way to Devil's Lake Farmland, right? There's a 2,000 square foot home, a 40 by 60 pole building. It's got three different parcels that make up this really big lot. So, so why is it the cheapest? And I'm looking at the pictures, and I'm like, this is, this is not that bad. Mm-hmm. And then I look at, they, they didn't put the exterior And shot. then there was one photo that you're like, wait the a minute. Exterior, like Highway 19. Uh-huh. Like, like if you tripped out of your front door, you might get hit by a car. Oh, oh you're on. <laughs> I mean, that was, close to the road? Like six feet. I mean, the cow fences aren't even that close. No. <laughs> You've got to have like a ditch so, and some separation so this house, there. Wow. I wonder, because here, here, here was my thought. 
It costs about $50,000 to move a house. Anecdotally, <laughs> someone thought this house was worth 208 because they listed it for that much. Yeah. That was my question. Like, but it sold for $140,000. Yeah. So they that, bought the land. That $60,000 spread is just about as much as it might take to move that house to the back of the lot. I gotcha. But it looked nice. Uh-huh. And it had been updated several times in the in recent history. Well, I mean, all you need to do these days if you watch Pixar movies is tie a bunch of helium balloons and it'll lift the house right up and you can just move it. Exactly. You know, 50 feet in the other direction. You get, you know, condition, location, price. You get to pick two. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's in decent shape. But it's next to the road. So highest price sale on the lake, but on the more like if I ever imagined living on the lake, kind of more in that mm-hmm. neighborhood, 1634 Sherman Avenue. So regular Sherman, I guess is what we called it when I was not a union cab driver with Ralph. So right. like parallel Gorham, where Sherman picks up right after Christ Presbyterian Church there. Four bedroom, four bath home, 40 500 square feet, a finished lower level with a walkout. It's got a separate kitchen, a walk-in shower, a, and a dog bath. I didn't, and then and then a <laughs> sauna. Yeah. I think if we were rich, we would know what a Finlio sauna was. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> and then there's also a custom wine and bourbon tasting cellar. Oh, I'll visit the bourbon tasting cellar. That sounds so built, right. Built in 1936, I, w- I would think at some point I would have loved this house. Like, it, I imagine maybe, like, right up to the 1970s, this house was probably for me. Uh-huh. And it would have been original enough, or there would have been. Yeah. But it had kind of it had kind of gotten, like, whoa. <laughs> like, I'm guessing right about when that bourbon cellar and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and the walk-in sh- dog shower went yeah. in, it just, like, it kind of jumped the shark. Like, yeah. It's like, we're doing real good there. And then we're like, whoa, this is too much tile and <laughs> floral print. Um, That's the same sound I make after bourbon, by the way. So, yeah. li- Listed at $1.9 million. Wow. 1.95. Uh, sells for $2,050,000. So this was the takeaway from the most expensive house, because I saw this in several at several different price points. It's fall. People are tired of paying too much. They're tired of get run up. Tired of getting bidding wars. So that so if something is not an apparent value immediately, it's been sitting. Uh huh. Okay. But in so many cases, that next price drop or that next like like three weeks later, when when people think, hey, let's go take a swing at that, we might have a clear shot now. Yeah. It it's like all of a sudden then there's competition. The market is just waiting for that house to sit for just a little bit to cool off, for that first price reduction, to think that there's some flexibility, and then boom, you're not the only one who thought that. What do you call that thing? It's like a three-week re-up or something like that? (laughs) I don't know. But if it becomes much more... Uh, Frequent, maybe we'll give it a name. Gonna have to come up with a name for it. Our own hashtag. There we go. Okay, that's what's been going on from the lows and the highs. Our in-studio guest, who's actually on the phone today because we're playing it safe still, uh, Bob Stigsell with Advanced Health and Safety, MadisonAsbestos.com. The guy deals asbestos. He doesn't deal it, but he deals with asbestos. (laughs) But why don't we take a break first? Let's take a break for the top of the hour tip. Probably going to talk to Asher Messino, senior real estate agent. Uh, who called just yesterday with questions about a new hot water heater. Let's find out how that went. 
It's time for the top of the hour tip on the phone with us today. Senior agent, Lauer Realty Group, Asher Messino. Well, today I'm here to talk about water heaters. Well, unfortunately, my water heater died this week. So I went down into my basement and there was a large amount of water streaming from the bottom of my water heater. Your water heaters could have water leaking from a few different places. If it's coming from the top or if it's coming from a valve, that may be able to be repaired. Mine was coming from the bottom, which indicates that the tank is actually corroded and you can't fix that. You just need to replace it. Yeah. <laughs> I called around to a bunch of different companies. I called plumbers um, and I got an idea of what my costs would be. And what I was considering when I was calling around were a few things. First of all, I wanted to replace it with the same amount of gallons. Um, but I wanted to ask, you know, what will my costs be for either replacing it with another water heater that vents out of my chimney or updating it to a water heater that power vents out the side of my house. So I was sort of considering originally going with a water heater that was going to power vent out of my house. It turns out, though, the costs for that are significantly higher for what I was thinking than what I wanted to do. So I'll just say that, you know, the water heater, a 50-gallon water heater, to continue to vent out of my chimney was about $1,400. If I wanted to update it to power vent out the side of my house, it would have been about, depending on who you called, $2,500 to $2,900. Why I didn't want to go out of the chimney originally was because my chimney needs some tuck pointing. And I thought, you know, once my water heater dies, I'll vent it out the side of the house, and then maybe I can just get rid of the chimney eventually. But when I'm looking at, like, an $1,100 difference between venting out of the chimney and power venting, I think I can get my chimney tuck pointed for significantly less than $1,100. So I decided to just go with the original venting way, have it go out of the chimney, and then eventually I'll just get my chimney tuck pointed. Congratulations on your new chimney vented or atmospherically vented 50-gallon water heater, Asher. <laughs> Thank you so much. Have a great day. The house at Roundabout, is that still going on? The house at Roundabout, I have been there the last several days. We're, we're doing finishing touches. I was outfitting closets and hanging towel bars oh. and doing all the things that happen at the end. Okay. Uh, I think one of the challenges that may uh, remain is that the lawn and landscape is still mm. like, what's going on out here? A little rough. Uh, the driveway needs to be put in. Ah, uh, okay. And then and then something needs to happen to the grade, like to the uh. like the finished grade and seeding needs to happen. It's kind of just a big mud pit. So uh, <laughs> the last the last official action that I will have is to build the the garage door comes out the side. Uh huh. And it's it's like too high. You have to like jump. You know, like the, <laughs> like, like the door is what the door is kind of up high, and so I'm gonna have to build a little landing. And a few stairs. Uh, sure. mm -hmm. So that's kind of the last project that's going to happen, like, as the lawn comes together so that I know where the stairs will end up. Gotcha. Okay. So to come with the house that roundabout. And you are still, are we still looking into that foreclosure? Oh, work? well, that's, yes. The house that roundabout uh, feature will be replaced with the uh, the sheriff's sale foreclosure that Ben and Rhonda bought. And... Um, and we had the court did approve the sale, and um, 
we are trying to be as reasonable, or we're try- we we wanted to give the occupant uh, some time to get out, but within reason. Oh, okay. Um, so we so we gave him a deadline of a couple weeks um, versus uh, what could have been like showing, tomorrow showing up yeah. immediately. Yeah. So we've already been. Along with the confirmation of the sale, we were granted what's called a writ of restitution. And that is the court's decision to give the property. Like you, you have the right then to reclaim the property immediately upon, gotcha. upon receiving that writ. So uh, we're going to try to make it a slight, we're going to try to be a little bit more like gentle and hope that that mm-hmm. allows for a smooth transition. And uh, and maybe in November, we'll have either an update on what uh, what that process looks like when it goes smoothly or or not all right sounds good why don't we take a break and bob stigsell with advanced health and safety will be in next you're listening to real estate in the 608 madison's real estate magazine for your ears my name is adam his name is ben and we are joined in studio via the telephonic services of I don't know, AT&T, whoever it is. We won't plug them and give them a commercial here. But it's Bob Stigsell with Advanced Health and Safety. Also, you can find him at MadisonAsbestos.com. And if that's not enough of a clue, that's what we'll probably talk about today. But, Bob, welcome. Thanks for being with us here today. Thanks, guys, for having me. I appreciate it. So I'll give a little a little bit about Bob. Born in Phoenix, Arizona, lived much of his childhood in Minnesota, attended college in St. Paul, Minnesota, as well as the University of St. Thomas. Uh, taken a year off college and traveled around the world with the international entertainment group Up With People, married a Canadian, moved to Madison in 1995, and is almost done raising four children. He's in a walking club with six friends around the United States where they together walk 2,021 miles in the year, which I think should be a nice counterpart or, or compliment or counterpart to his, his COVID hobby of smoking meats. Now, we know all these things, but we don't know if he's fun. Well, there's really only one way we can find that out. We're going to play a quiz, a get-to-know-you game, a quiz game, a Madison history and environs trivia game we call The Way It Used to Be. There used to be, there used to be, there used to be. There used to be. But smiling faces far as the eye could see Car in every driveway, swinging every tree People can't stop talking about the way things used to be Are you ready, Bob? I'm, I'm more than ready Alright, so this one um, is, is, is a history question But I actually pilfered the, the answer from the uh, Advanced Health and Safety Facebook page Oh, okay there was a there was a photograph there that caught my eye, and it was a photograph of a of an advertisement from a trade magazine. And I'm going to read to you what the text in that advertisement said. It said, "The bigger the building, the more important fireproofing becomes. That's why today's buildings have asbestos cement walls and even floors containing asbestos. Asbestos contains fire." cannot burn, and holds up after metal and glass have melted down, giving vital time for people to escape. For the bell, in what yeah. year was that advertisement published? Ooh, that sounds like a World War II kind of vintage. I'm going to go with uh, around maybe 1945. That advertisement featured a photo of the World Trade Center 
and it was published in 1981. You are kidding. Here's another one. What 1970s television show featuring Squad 51 and paramedics John Gage and Roy DeSoto showcased the frequent use of asbestos blankets to keep their victims safe? Wow. 1971. I mean, I was three years old, so I'm trying to remember what I was watching at age three. <laughs> it was uh, emergency. There you go. Well done. Good job, yeah. Bob. So the, so the asbestos blankets, like literally they would say, Johnny, get me the oh asbestos blankets. <laughs> I've watched it too many times, I'll admit. Um, right up there with chips. It's one of my favorites. Um, but you yeah, so I the, love chips. Punch and John, yeah. So, the, so when they're cutting, when they're cutting the metal and the sparks are flying, they would protect the the automobile accident victim from the flying sparks with an asbestos with blanket. an asbestos blanket. Oh boy! The first true or false question that I believe I've included in the way it used mm-hmm. to be quiz. So you got a fifty fifty shot here either way. Those are good odds. Okay. True or false? Chapter 30 of Madison, Wisconsin Ordinance and Building Codes relating to heating, ventilating, and air conditioning specifically call for the use of asbestos in four different scenarios for the purpose of fireproofing and heat shielding. Well, I can certainly believe that at one point that would have, that would have been true because in different periods of history, asbestos was actually specked into buildings because of its great properties. So... Yes. Yes, true. We're going to take a quick break for the market update, uh, find out what's going on in local real estate market, trends in both buyers and sellers. Hi, this is Liz Lauer, founder of the Lauer Realty Group. I take pride in having highly educated realtors who are passionate about their clients' pursuits. That passion translates into buying the right home, condo, or investment property, or when selling those same properties for clients, creating a highly stylized marketing plan that yields the best results. The core of the success comes from continually educating ourselves, our clients, and staying focused on key topics and strategies that will help us advocate for them like no other firm. Real estate in the 608 is a window into our world that gives our listener market updates, current lending trends, home maintenance tips, remodeling help, and so much more. When you need our services, give us a call. Till then, sit back and enjoy and learn. It's time for the market update. On the phone with us, Asher Messino. Welcome back, Asher. Market hey, update. Market update. We try to talk about uh, what should I be feeling or thinking if I'm on, on the buyer side and what about the seller side? So so from a buyer's perspective, you said you've got a variety of buyers in your funnel right now. Well, right now, if you are looking to purchase right now, you're in a really great spot. So our market is a lot slower right now than it was in the spring. Um, some houses are are still getting multiple offers, but a lot of them aren't. So buyers have a lot more power right now. It's also difficult though, because our inventory is low. So there's not a ton out there. Now is the perfect time for those people that don't have huge down payments, don't have a bunch of extra cash. It's the perfect time to purchase for them. Something interesting though about that is that a lot of sellers have not caught up to what's happening in this point in time. So a lot of sellers who are selling right now still think it's the spring market where they deserve multiple offers with incredible terms, offering them loads of cash. I've had a few situations with buyers where we put in a super good, reasonable, fair offer. 
sellers don't have any other offers on the table and they still think they deserve maybe above their list price, allowances towards inspection and appraisal. They don't really understand that we are in a different market right now. Do you feel like next spring will be as busy as last spring? I actually do think it will be just as busy, probably. We haven't seen interest rates go significantly higher. They have gone up a little bit. And we haven't seen our inventory increase much. So we should have very similar low inventory this coming spring. Um, I think if there are any buyers right now thinking they want to purchase any time between, you know, late January and July of next year, they need to be reaching out to their realtors now, me and Ben, of course, <laughs> and getting prepared for the next year. All right. Thank you very much, Asher. You have a great day. Thanks, Ben. You too. Tony Island washboard she would play. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. Find us online at inthe608.com. My name is Adam Elliott. Across the table from me, Ben Anton. And uh, in between us is a little phone that's on a water bottle right now, (laughs) propped up to a microphone. And you are hearing Bob Stigsell's voice. Bob's with Advanced Health and Safety. Bob, you are our asbestos expert. And thank you for being here today. Oh, you're welcome, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. This is something that that a lot of people don't think about, and it's foisted on them as we, maybe even after we've bought a house, and and the inspector says, this could be asbestos. So I wanted to I wanted to talk with you a little bit about just like, what is that a really big deal, and what are the different methods or opportunities to to make it less of a deal? Yeah, and I would even like start to say like, what is it? People maybe don't even know. They've heard the word asbestos, but like to you, what is it, Bob? Yeah, that's a great question to start out with. So asbestos is a mineral, all right? It's mined from the earth. Uh, the majority of it in uh, in this area of the world came from Canada. Uh, the province of Quebec, uh, the town is called asbestos, believe it or not. <laughs> and there's a big open pit mine there. I've been there twice in my lifetime and visited it. Um, and they mined it from the earth. And they would extract the fibers out of it, uh, out of the the rock or the mineral, and um, add it to building products. Um, It's got a lot of good properties to it, uh, despite the health effects. We can talk about those later. But the uh, the good properties of asbestos would be uh, things like fireproofing, um, soundproofing. Uh, It's got great chemical resistance as well. And also, uh, it's just a good binder. So that's kind of why they used it. Um, you know, the downside to it, uh, the health effects, obviously, that everyone knows, especially if you've watched any uh, TV and you see the commercials for mesothelioma, uh, asbestosis, or lung cancer. Those are the, the downsides to the, uh, the asbestos product. I think a lot of those uh, those commercials are on during emergency. Uh, for for your, do you know anyone who's worked in a shipyard? Yeah. I I do not know anyone who's worked in a shipyard, but I have I have encountered a likely asbestos containing material. What are you most often called uh, to investigate, or uh, or inspect, or test? to see if it has a, a an asbestos-containing mineral? 
Yeah, I would say probably the the biggest calls that were the most volume calls that we get would be uh, vermiculite in the attics. It's a it's a loose fill attic insulation. Um, also uh, flooring and uh, probably pipe insulation uh, would be the other one that we we get a lot of calls on. Those are kind of the big things. Okay. It, it can be found in other products as well. In fact, they say that asbestos have been, has been used in over 3,000 different products throughout the years, but those are kind of the big ones that we get calls on, at least here in the Madison area. I'm kind of guessing that you kind of need an expert to make a determination as to if it is or if it is not, but how do you know it when you see it? Well, I tell you, it's... For, for for us here at our company, um, it's it's the training we've had and, and the years of experience of of, uh, of looking at it and inspecting it and, and dealing with it. You know, uh, to the average homeowner who's never encountered it, typically what they'll do is they'll they'll go to the Google or they'll go to the internet and they'll start typing in a few keywords and seeing what kind of things can have asbestos. Um, a lot of times when a person, especially in like this situation, they're buying a home, for instance, uh, it's pointed out to them by a, a home inspector um, that it might be in there. And I, I, by the way, I train the home inspectors for the uh, Madison area, and, and I'm doing one for the state uh, next month, uh, just training the home inspectors on how to identify what asbestos might be in or how it looks and things like that. Bob slid into my DMs on Facebook because I posted a picture of a of a bathroom in transition where I had cut out a square of the floor. And and Bob told me uh, that I had likely, uh, even very likely, uh, removed or disturbed uh, some flooring that likely had asbestos. It was not a, the nine-inch tile floor that we think of mm. in our grandparents' basement. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, I believe, you called it a confetti style, or conf- conf- it was like a, an old, an old timey linoleum that has kind of yeah. a confetti, sometimes a little bit of a glitter of gold. Now it was too late. By the time I, I heard that, it had already been disturbed and it was about to be covered by uh, luxury vinyl plank. Uh, but it's not even someone who does it all the time doesn't necessarily realize how widespread the use was. Yeah. Well, that makes me concerned. So, Bob, what's the what's the safety situation there? Yeah, it, de- it depends on how it was removed. Uh, here's the thing: is you know, you, you go to the internet and you, you type in asbestos, and a, a couple things that come to mind that really come up a lot. Um, they'll talk about ceiling tiles, right? And they'll also talk about nine-inch floor tiles. Well. Ceiling tiles, we honestly we, we rarely find it in ceiling tiles, um, but you go on the internet. Of course, they always it always comes up as one of the first things. Um, as far as flooring, uh, the nine inch tiles always come up as, as a, you know watch out for those things, and, and that's true. I mean, nine inch floor tiles as well as the the uh, glue that that holds them to the to the floor do contain asbestos most of the time. Uh, but we can't rule out other things like 12-inch floor tiles. A lot of people say, oh, yeah, 9-inch has it, 12-inch doesn't. Well, 12-inch can have it. In fact, I test it all the time where it does. In fact, I did one yesterday where the <laughs> the nine inch, or the 12-inch tile didn't have it, but the glue was 10% chrysotile asbestos. So you got to be aware of that. Um, 
as far as the uh, linoleum goes, uh, you know, when linoleum has asbestos, it's it's a high percentage of asbestos. And when I say high, I'm talking 20 to 80 percent by weight or by volume asbestos in sheet vinyl linoleum. So it's it's kind of crazy high, to be honest with you. And so as far as your exposure goes, it, it really depends on, you know, what was your technique of removing it? Um, most of the time when, when flooring has it um, in linoleum, it's typically on a first floor, like a kitchen or a bathroom, right? And it's usually on a, on a plywood underlayment. So the only way to get that really up is you're going to have to run a skill saw through it a couple of times or several times to cut it into manageable pieces so you can pry it up. Well, you can imagine <laughs> what running a skill saw through a piece of uh, asbestos sheet vinyl linoleum is. Might know, create uh, some dust, uh, yeah, right? Yeah. Like that, what's going to happen, it's going to become very airborne. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully that wasn't how it was removed, but, you know, that's kind of, you know, it, it, it can be dangerous. There's no doubt about it. Well, I'll, I'll be honest. It was not quite removed like like you're thinking about cutting into manageable pieces, but I literally yeah. cut I, I cut the through the plywood, um, but so that would have meant that that the length of that saw cut, um, you know, four feet and eighth inch eighth mm-hmm. inch wide, um, that yeah. I that I put that much uh, waste into the air or created that much dust. Um, yeah, if you ran a skill saw through it, you, you you put a fair amount in the air. There's no doubt. So, uh, lesson learned. Um, it's yeah. unfortunate that someone who is remodeling homes as I do, sure, right. um, a lot more. The masks are a lot more uh, prevalent and easy to locate uh, now. <laughs> sure, <Yeah. laughs> always one handy. Um, but yeah, it's it's unfortunate that people have had to deal with that. Um, I, I made I made notes here. Um, you talked about pipes, and you talked about ceiling tiles and floor tiles and uh, and vermiculite. One of the other things I think that I've had to call you for is um, a likely asbestos-containing tape used to seal uh, heat ducts. Is that yeah. something you get called for quite a bit? Yeah, we do, um, especially on real estate transactions, again, because the home inspector sees it and they point it out. Um, what that is, it's, it's kind of like a paper. It's like a thick paper, almost, almost mm. like a cardboard size, and they used to cut it in two-inch strips and put it around the seams of the ductwork. So when they installed the ductwork years ago in the 40s, 50s, 60s, they would put this piece of tape around the, uh, the seams of the ductwork and so that the air wouldn't just whistle out and, and it would stay inside. So um, today we don't use that stuff, but years ago that's, they used it all the time. Um, and, and that stuff's usually about 80% Christotel asbestos. So it's, it's a pretty high uh, percentage. Um, and in most real estate transactions, they'll say, uh, hey, when you have this on your ductwork, either remove it or encapsulate it. Because the way they put it on raw, if nothing's ever been done with it to this point, uh, they'd want to have something done so it's not becoming airborne. <laughs> Listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. My name is Adam. His name is Ben. On the line, we've got Bob Stigsell with Advanced Health and Safety talking about the topic of asbestos. Gotta imagine it's a it's sometimes a scary topic for people because they don't know what it looks like. We've talked about here um, places that it might show up: your attic, pipes, 
ceiling or flooring tiles are common places. Are there other places in the house, Bob, that people should, uh, I don't know, think about? Like, maybe that has it there. Well, i tell you what. I, I always say this. The only things that really don't have asbestos are wood, fiberglass, and glass, and metal. Otherwise, everything else is fair game, to be honest with you. Um, some of the some of the other things that might have it uh, that we like to test um, are things like plaster, uh, wall plaster, um, drywall, drywall mud, especially in the mud. We find you know where you on the corner beads on on drywall or where they float over with the nails or screws to make it flat. We find it mud all the time. Uh, kind of a crazy thing nobody thinks about is you everyone just go to your sink. Especially if you have a sink that's, you know, I'm going to say more than 30 years old, uh, take a look at the bottom of it and you'll notice a probably a spray on material on the bottom of the kitchen oh, sink. Yeah, yeah. And that stuff, uh, if, especially if it's the black color, um, and sometimes the yellow, I believe it is, um, has asbestos in it. And that was to prevent sweating from the sink. So we find it there. Um, we can find it in shingles, but not, not very often anymore. It seems like a lot of those have been removed already. But, it, you know, there's some houses in the coma area, for instance, in Madison that, that still have the old asbestos. They call them slate shingles. Um, another one being uh, the siding, slate oh, siding, yeah. people call it. All well, right. We call yeah. it transite, but another, another term for it is slate. And you still see a lot of homes that have that stuff on it. Um, well, it holds paint so well. as well. <laughs> I, the, the last home I sold on Jackson Street was a two-unit, um, and, and I had, it had a slate siding that I would have assumed might have asbestos, and it was required to name it on the condition report as such. Um, but I went back into the city's records and found the original building permit, and it and it literally just said asbestos siding. Mm-hmm. Again, kind of, <laughs> kind of like that 1981 trade magazine advertisement where this was the product. Yeah. This was the product of the future. This was a problem-solving, uh, like godsend of a product that was going to save our yeah. homes from fire. That was cheap. That came from the earth, yeah. and is in in all kinds of ways was was a new and uh, the the product of the future we do see that uh, quite a bit um especially on the east side of madison i find like on the isthmus and along willie street and jennifer street um and even over uh midvale boulevard and whatnot um a lot of homes built in that vintage uh that's what they use for it um you know they they would they would advertise uh fireproofed home you know and and Mm -hmm. it was just a great product and so they yeah they, they, they install a lot of that stuff. Boy, I want to keep you around. We've been showcasing and highlighting some of the things that have happened to uh, the house that Rhonda bought on Lansing Street. And you, Bob, were part of the, of the teardown operation in that every home that gets demolished in Madison, and maybe this is even in the, is this in the whole state, Bob? Yep. Any home that's demolished or torn down has to be tested for asbestos-containing materials. So Bob had to come in and test all or take a sample of all the things that might have asbestos in them. And I was there maybe even 
30 or 40 different things that you had to take out of that tiny little house? It surprises people sometimes is how many, you know, just again, depending on when it was built, um, you know, what might be in there. Uh, a lot of times, I mean, the, really the heyday of asbestos was around the World War II area, uh, era. era. Uh, it was just, they were putting it in just absolutely everything. It was a, it was a cheap material, it was a cheap building material. And with the fireproofing, I mean, they just absolutely love that stuff. And so, the, ironically, though, if you if I inspect like a let's say a farmhouse built in 1900, chances are I'm not going to find anything in the original construction because they just didn't use it a lot in 1900. But what happened was, you know, they hey, they went through in 1950 and they said, you know what, we don't like that hardwood floor, maple floor. We want to cover that up with uh, this ugly. Uh, <laughs> you know, yellow and brown nine-inch floor tile and put that onto that maple floor. And so in those cases, that's when they started installing it. So um, if, a, if a house is too old, they might not have anything, but when they went through and remodeled over the years, they, they probably installed it, and especially with the, the linoleum too, you know. The house that Rhonda bought did not have any, and as such, it didn't have to have any remediation done in advance of it being crumpled up and put into dumpsters. Removal is always going to be an option, but it's not always the best option. Is that right, Bob? Yeah, that's right. That's correct. I mean, removal is a good option when uh, it, a, it either it's in, in poor condition and it's going to create a health hazard to, to the building occupants, or if you're doing construction where that building material that contains asbestos is in the way and has to be removed for your building, you know, your building uh, project. Um, we don't always recommend removal. I mean, a person would think, oh, yeah, boy, they're in the business of removal. Of course, they're going to recommend removal. That's not the case. I mean, we, we look at each case uh, individually, and they're all different. And we decide, we help the homeowners decide, you know, what is the best option uh, for it. Um, one example might be uh, of that where we don't recommend is maybe like in a basement. And if a person has nine-inch tiles in the ba- in the basement on the floor, uh, you know, they probably assume we're going to recommend removal. Well, if those things are in good condition and you're going to put a floating floor down and those nine-inch tiles are not coming up, they're not cracking, they're not breaking, um, hey, have at it. Go over with a vinyl floor. Um, you know, people do it all the time, a floating floor. But if a person says, you know what, I want to put carpet down and I'm going to put tack strips around the edges so that I can put my carpet down, well, that's a problem because you can't nail tack strips through asbestos. That's a prohibited activity under OSHA. So in that case, you're probably going to have to remove it. Um, likewise, uh, also, if you know if a uh, flooring is in poor condition and it's, and it's coming up or it's loose, then, you know, um, the recommended action is going to be to remove it because uh you know you're going to see it in the new flooring that goes down if if that old flooring is in poor condition yeah i'd rather recommend removal to somebody like that as opposed to them coming back to me in a few years and saying hey why didn't you tell me to remove this look at the new flooring it looks it looks bad you know and i've i've put floating floor over asbestos tile um when, when some of them were missing um, through no fault of my own. And there are products available to soften those edges so that you don't see a failed tile floor ghosting through mm-hmm. your floating floor. Um, but again, but again, it was the, the removal of those original tiles or those damaged tiles that was the problem 
and, and would mm-hmm. be far better handled by someone like Bob and his people. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. My name is Adam Elliott. His name is Ben Anton. On the line, we've got Bob Stigsell with Advanced Health and Safety talking about asbestos. I think the intention here is not to make you scared that this is potentially out there. It's really to give you information because, as Bob has said here, there are safe ways to remediate these things. And, like, I guess my question from what we were just talking about, Bob, like, if I am sitting in a room and there is an asbestos tile that is in fine shape fine shape is you know going to be determined by whoever but it's not doing anything i'm not in danger if i'm just sitting in that same room right correct yeah if it's in good condition you're you're perfectly fine i mean you you look at it look at all your your the school you probably went to in elementary school middle school high school i mean they most of those had uh you know unless it was a brand new building it probably had the old nine inch tiles down and you know, simply walking on those things or kids playing on on uh, floor tiles, not a problem. I mean, it's fine as long as it's in good condition. But if it becomes in poor condition, that's where you know we have a concern. And I and I always tell people too when you know uh, when a person's buying a house is is if you're going to do if you're looking at a house and you if you like the house if you love the house it's a great location you can see yourself living there. By all means, move forward with the, with the purchase of that house. Don't let asbestos scare you off from buying the house. We can deal with that stuff. Um, it's usually not as expensive as people think. I mean, I've had people that have called up and, and said, hey, can you look at this asbestos? And, and they're really literally envisioning tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars for removal. And that's just not the case. I mean, in most cases, if a person is doing, let's just say a kitchen floor, you know, ballpark, probably $3,000 to remove a, oh. an asbestos mm-hmm. kitchen floor. Well, that's, that's not too bad, you know, as opposed to a person who thinks, oh, it's got to be $10,000 or $20,000. I mean, we can deal with it. If you like the house, if you love the house, you love the school district, you love the location, buy the house, we can deal with the asbestos in a, in, a, in a reasonable fashion. You mentioned just about cost, and I'll bring this up because I think it's an important uh, or it, it's, a, it's a helping hand for people that might encounter vermiculite insulation in their attic. Those, those same commercials that are looking for uh, ship, shipyard workers reference a trust fund. The, a trust fund has mm-hmm. been established. <laughs> uh, well, in the case of those who, uh, who purchased or had installed in their homes a brand called Zonalite, uh, a trust fund has been established. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about that, Bob? Absolutely. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> um, so... Uh, yeah, there's a there's a product called vermiculite or zonalite. We'll just call it vermiculite for now, but it, there's zonalite's the other term for it. And it, if it if it comes from a, a particular mine in Libby, Montana, uh, that's the stuff they're looking for. Um, what vermiculite is or zonalite is it's a loose fill attic insulation. And if you look at it, it's kind of in little uh, uh, let's say squares, maybe a quarter inch, half inch, uh, you know by half inch and so it's pretty small but it's a loose fill attic insulation and most homes that were built between the 1940s and the 1970s have this kind of a, a, an attic insulation 
so what happens is if it if it comes from this mine in Libby, Montana, which and I'm going to say probably in the Madison area, 90 to 95% of the homes have that uh, vermiculite or zonalite from Libby, Montana, then it qualifies for this trust fund. And the trust fund, what it does is if it, if it comes from that mine, it, it, you, the homeowner would get 55% of the cost of the removal and the reinstallation of their attic reimbursed back to them. And it's literally in the form of a check. It's not a tax credit. So they, they send you a check at the end, and you cash the check, and you do whatever you want to do with it. There's no way. What does a removal look like? All removals are different, obviously, but um, typically uh, what will happen is we will come in and uh, we have our, our trained uh, personnel who do this. They, they, they have uh, licenses to do it. You have to be licensed. We'll come in and we'll put up what we call critical barriers. We put uh, plastic on all the, the openings to the doors, to the ductwork, to the walls, anywhere there's an opening, windows, whatever. And then uh, we, so we, we plastic it off. Then we put it under negative pressure. So we use a, uh, a HEPA-filtered uh, fan unit, for lack of a better term, that filters the air and scrubs the air with HEPA filtration during the process. Uh, then our technicians, they put on uh, suits and respirators. They're using HEPA-filtered respirators and Tyvek suits. And we wet the material down. And then we remove it, and as soon as we remove it, it goes right into uh, plastic bags. Uh, we, we try to, we continually clean while we're doing it, and we'll double bag that material. And uh, once we remove it, then we clean it, we scrub it, whatever we have to do, depending on the material, and until it's clean. And then once it's all done, we take the plastic down and the, the equipment out, and we dispose of the uh, the asbestos in the. Uh, typically, it's, it's double bagged, and it goes into a lined dumpster that we have at our shop, and that gets disposed of properly in a landfill. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to I want to just touch on. I think I think we kind of ran, we've run the gamut on asbestos from from beginning to where it might be to how we might get rid of it and the different options. I want to just bring up two other things that that you do, um, and we can talk about or just briefly touch on how they are treated similarly. Um, you mentioned being licensed for the removal of asbestos. You are also, or your crew, are also licensed lead-safe renovators. Um, yes. I, I was also a lead-safe renovator licensed for a time. Um, and for the most part, you talked, and I, I want to make it clear, uh, any house, for the most part that I sell, uh, that was built before 1978 may have lead paint in it somewhere. Uh, we all sign that that addendum S or addendum L based on your renting or your buying. So anytime you are disturbing a painted surface, there is the risk of, of disturbing lead paint. I want to just tell, and this is for the listeners, and Bob, the expert, can verify um, the cleanup procedures required of a licensee for the most part, are wiping something with a wet rag. And it's that simple to be safe. If you are creating dust, 
and and you remove that dust. He's doing it with the with a fan and a HEPA filtration. But if you created dust, once that dust settles, all you need to do to be safe is to clean things with a with a wet rag. That is the standard that that those licenses. Literally, when mm. you when you get your license, they give you a a card. A wet rag? No, they give you <laughs> they give you like a card that looks like you're supposed to hold it up to your teeth. Like it's white at one end and kind of oh brown, yeah yeah kind I know what br- you're talking about kind yeah. of brown at the other yeah. And it's got one circled, and you need to use a Swiffer. This is legit. This is science and state licensing here. You need to use a Swiffer, and as long as it's this white or whiter when you're done, that means you did a good enough job. Oh. So for those, so uh, would you, am I being too glib about that, Bob? No, I mean it's generally what it is, and in, in layman's terms, yeah. I mean it's uh, you know whenever we do a cleanup or a removal, the two things that are really our friends are wet wiping and HEPA vacuuming, which, you know, HEPA vacuuming, that's high efficiency particulate air. And we're using vacuums that are HEPA filtered. The ones we use are, it's a professional uh, grade vacuum. It's not the ones you get on to, you know, any place where you buy a vacuum and if it says HEPA on it, you can go ahead and use it. Like you wouldn't want to go to uh, Home Depot or Menards and buy a vacuum that says HEPA on it. I mean, the ones that we use, for instance, are um, much just better than that, I guess. But uh, yeah, HEPA vacuuming and wet wiping would be the ways to clean up. Uh, there, there is always going to be a time when you need to call Bob, but for those who are, are super nervous about it, and it, it is an issue of cleanliness, um, and, and, when, and when they finish their job, that last thing they do is is something that everyone can do, um, and that's one of the uh, one of the ways to combat it on your own. And then, and then, how much do you, do you do also do mold, Bob? We do, we do quite a bit of mold uh, removal. We don't do any inspecting. We always uh, refer that to the uh, mold professionals, uh, but we do mold removal. Yes, we do, and it's very much done uh, similar fashion as asbestos. I mean, we're we're setting up a containment. Uh, we're having HEPA filtration. We have plastic set up. Uh, the technicians are in suits and respirators, and you know we're getting rid of it in that fashion. So it's, it's very similar. It's a, it's a complementary type of industry to anybody who's in asbestos. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. His name is Ben. My name's Adam. Our friend on the phone is Bob Stigsell with Advanced Health and Safety. Um, not only an asbestos expert, as we just found out, mold uh, he can take care of and let are all in his wheelhouse of things that he takes care of. And Bob, um, want to say thank you, one, for joining us today. This has been super informative. Uh, it's As he said... This is not something necessarily that should stop you from moving forward because mm-hmm. yeah. uh, we fear what we do not understand. Uh, it is it is Bob's opportunity and job to help us understand it and the costs or or the downsides of having to deal with it. So asbestos, at, when it was uh, at its at its inception or at advent, was kind of presented even even as late as 1981 in that in that trade Shocking. magazine. Yeah. It was a miracle material. Do you think there's another asbestos out there and that we're using today a product that 5, 10, 15 years from now we will say, well, we shouldn't have put that everywhere? Wow, that's a good question. 
you know, it, and, and it, I guess I've been doing this for 31 years. And, and you know, 31 years ago, we, we, we all, when I took my first classes, we all thought, oh, you know, this is this disgusting thing. Five years ago, from now it'll be gone and, and we won't have any jobs anymore. Well, you know, some of us are still doing this 30 and 40 years later. So, yeah. um, and there's the still an attic fall. about was uh, fiberglass insulation. And, you know, people, when they install fiberglass, sometimes they, they feel a scratchiness in their throat and the scratchiness of the eyes or the skin, things like that. And so I, I hear that quite a bit, you know, you know, is that the next thing? And, and I don't know, maybe it is, maybe it's not. The thing with, with fiberglass though, is it's kind of a, uh, an acute short-term type of reaction where you feel a scratchiness, but you know, in a couple hours or something, or you take a shower, or whatever, it goes away. But the thing with the asbestos is it's a, it's a chronic long-term type of an illness where it takes 15 to 40 years to develop one of the diseases. And so that's the big difference between, for instance, fiberglass and asbestos. Um, you know, are they putting stuff in products today that might be later on found to be harmful? Yeah, who knows? Maybe they are. I mean, you know, you hear a lot of things about different companies like, uh, you know, Monsanto, for instance, well, they put this and that in different products and, you know, they find out later that that wasn't such a good idea. Time will tell. I don't know. It's hard yeah. to tell. If I, if I had to pick one, and it may be just because of its proliferation in the last five to ten years, but expanding polyurethane foam, oh. um, mm-hmm. we are yeah. we, we we can look up at it here mm-hmm. in the in in Mona's basement. We can imagine it being used to raise and level concrete slabs. We can imagine it being used as an insulation, both exposed and and available to us but also behind drywall and in attics and uh closed cell open cell i think i think it's just come on so fast and answered so many questions that i that it it seems well poised to be uh to be the next miracle material yeah i kind of wonder that as well i mean it's a chemical reaction right it goes on and then it expands. Well, some, what happens when it expands? What's the off-gassing that's happening with that? We don't, I don't know. Have they done long-term studies on that? You know, we, uh, we do know that unlike asbestos, it's flammable as, <laughs> it's flammable AF, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it, and the fumes, and the fumes of it are, are far more deadly than anything sure, asbestos right, will do yeah. to you. Wow, but, those are so, good technical answers. My thought was like the product is just as bad as asbestos today. It's Facebook, right? Easily Facebook, <laughs> Facebook, or like or one of those manufactured sugar products. Yeah, right. <laughs> Splenda. Yeah. All right. Very well. Good. Yeah. Well, we and here, here's here's something I want to add to the you know one thing we didn't talk about real quick. Just I, I want to throw a plug into this um, is that. You know, asbestos is not, and this this is, surprises people all the time. Asbestos is not a banned product in the United States even today. Believe it or not, it is in over forty countries, but it's not here. So, I found on inspections, I found asbestos products installed after the year two thousand. Believe it or not. Wow. Well, uh, and and it, it is legitimately yeah. called for. That was the, your answer of yes was correct. There are four situations yeah. in which. Madison's ordinances and building codes call for the use of an asbestos product. Yeah, that's yeah, a trip. Yeah. Well, uh, how can how can how can people uh, get in touch with Bob if they? I think I think maybe I'll even add who might call 
is someone who's maybe going through a transaction, then they, then it might be I or, or an agent that calls for them, but uh, someone taking on a, a larger scale remodel, uh, taking down a wall, uh, making any significant changes to their home, or uh, someone who's super concerned about such things and just mm-hmm. wants to like set a baseline and understand what their home is made of, how would they get in touch with you, Bob? Yeah, that's great. Uh, so a couple different ways. Uh, our company website is madisonasbestos.com. Um, you can call our office. So far, the, uh, the office number is 608-243-8466. Or you can call my cell phone at 608-279-0866. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Yelp. Um, we are one of the highly rated companies on Google. If you, you can read our our uh, uh, customers' uh, testaments to our work. Um, you know, people have some good things to say about us. You can look us up online many different ways. Uh, we're also on the Department of Health uh, Services website as a certified asbestos removal contractor. Um, so we have, uh, you know, different ways to get a hold of us. Our shop is on the corner of the uh, Sema, or uh, sorry, uh, Stoughton Road and the Beltline. If you're going eastbound on the Beltline, Take the exit. You see our, our sign right there. It says uh, vermiculite, asbestos, lead, mold. Right across from Toby's, that's our that's our shop. Over okay. There. Well, you're, you're kind of east siders with us then. Mm-hmm. Though I believe yeah, you. I know yeah, you're kind of east side uh, shop, and our, our uh, offices in Fitchburg. So. Well, there you yep. go. Well, thank you very much, Bob, for joining us. It's been interesting to kind of. Again, we fear what we don't understand, so now we can be less fearful because we have a greater understanding, not mm-hmm. only of what we're dealing with, but how to deal with it. Yeah. Yep. And if you have any questions, just give me a call. I'm always uh, open for, uh, for uh, you know, people calling in and asking questions. Uh, we can come out and take a look at it. Uh, we'll help you through the process. I, maybe one more question. Uh, you married a Canadian you said a lot of yeah. the vermicula, a lot of the asbestos comes from Canada. Any relationship there, or just a, just just purely happenstance? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to answer that, Bob. You know, it's a tough one. I, I met her on a fishing trip, and I, I I didn't catch a fish, but I caught a wife. So, oh, you know, well, that's uh, charming. Asbestos comes from Canada. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and other good things. Right? Next next time you take the guys lunch from the Traeger Smoker Grill. Down to Stoughton Road there, you let me know, and I'll, I'll be sure to come down and try some of your smoked meats. Absolutely. That was my COVID uh, hobby, was smoking meats. Oh, I right sure on. enjoy it. All <laughs> right. Well, I'll thank give you. you guys some the next time I see you. Thank Thanks. you, Bob. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. All right. You're welcome. Thanks, guys. Have a great night. That's good. I'll send you a link. Adam does some editing. And uh, we put it together. I'll put it on my Facebook. You can share it on yours. It'll be a fun little product. And, and uh, 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 he, he really is amazing and makes it sound like we're all so smart. So thanks again, Bob. You have a good night. Thanks, guys. Take Bye-bye. Care. All right. Take care. Toodle-lam, 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 tood
Time for Phil's phone-in. Phil Plort is my business partner in Deacon Housing, president of Madison's Blimling & Associates, a dairy commodities consulting firm, a division of Dairy.com, and host of the brand new podcast, The Dairy Download. Keeping an eye on the faraway and diverse markets is what he does. Seeing how it might affect real estate here in Madison is what he does for fun. Here he is with a look beyond the 608. Hey, Ben, it's Phil with a view from beyond the 608. Let's talk about energy for a minute. Things are starting to get really interesting and maybe even a little dangerous for the overall economy. West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil is trading above $80 per barrel for the first time since 2014. Last week, regular unleaded gasoline averaged $3.27 per gallon, up more than a dollar or more than 50% above last year's levels. By my math, that translates to nearly $600 million in additional spending each week across the U.S., or more than $30 for the average household. Along with higher natural gas prices, the oil situation also means higher household heating costs this winter. Are these numbers game changers? We're still a long way from the record highs we saw in 2008 when crude oil topped $140 per barrel and unleaded got to nearly $4 per gallon. But more money in the tank means less money for spending elsewhere. That could begin to chip away at consumer discretionary spending in the months ahead. That could be problematic for economic growth. Something to watch. That's all for now. Until the next time. This is Phil with a view from beyond the 608. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. His name is Ben Anton. My name is Adam Elliott. Uh, we've been speaking with Bob Stigsell with Advanced Health and Safety today. But Ben, what would you say that is? Or what is that? That was, I, you know, I think I kind of summed it up when we were with him. We fear what we don't know. It's true. Now we have a slightly better understanding of asbestos. We learned about friable. I think that yeah. might... We didn't come to it until later in the in the talk, but that may be the most important thing yeah. uh, to think about. It's like As, airborne, right? Friable, ex- airborne? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Asbestos is only dangerous to you if it is airborne. Gotcha. And that yeah. is why often encapsulation, mm-hmm. which can be a mud or a mortar or a, a, a foil tape mm-hmm. on a, on a ductwork... Uh, or a cast-like uh, wrapping, like mm-hmm. almost like a plaster cast that they put over uh, boiler pipes and insulate it in, in that way, or a floating floor mm-hmm. that simply just exists but does not disturb the uh, the tile beneath it. Yeah. All of those are ways to encapsulate. But then Bob also talked about when it might make sense to remove. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. I mean, like, I think that's the takeaway here is that, like, yeah, it can be dangerous, but it can also be dealt with. And sometimes the right way is to remove it. Sometimes the right way is to encapsulate or cover. And uh, and and he said it might not be as expensive as you'd think. Yeah, that was actually surprising because I, I did have, like, an estimate in my head, like, you're getting something out that's like ten grand easy in when the pockets. Yeah. When the white suits get put on, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> that's when it gets expensive. You get specialists coming in to but do But then we also that. talk briefly about the uh, one of the more common places it shows up is in the vermiculite, yeah, and the fact that that a trust fund has been established, <laughs> uh, and that really has been, and that that yeah. half or fifty five percent even of the removal cost as well as the reinsulation cost can be paid by that. Trust fund has been established. Yeah. And his advice was like, well, why not do that? If somebody's already paying half, just do it. Like, the th- the thing is, is it's that not doing you j- any good. Just as screw in fuses lost favor and became mm-hmm. a defect, and all of a sudden you couldn't sell a house because you couldn't insure a house. Right. 
Well, the next thing is knob and tube wiring. We can't we can't uh, insure a house with knob and tube wiring, so that's all happening at sale. Right. There will likely be a time when vermiculite insulation, and I we're probably already there. Even in today's market, where the seller is driving the bus, there are very few buyers that are going to just say, "Oh, no problem." Right. It's a that's red, fine. It's a red flag in people's they, minds. Even if they do accept the property as is, they're likely going to be taking care of that immediately after close. Well, good stuff. So we talked about the newsletter earlier, but maybe we talk about it quick again here. I'll go ahead and sign up for the newsletter. It's fun. Twenty second, twenty second read comes on the twenty second. I, I think last month was it last month or the month before where I like was a day off because I was just super. It's, it's worth it. It's okay. And it's, it's just, just a little the, tap on the shoulder. It's like a little, hey, did you know this? Yeah. Now you do. <laughs> um, we, I didn't put this in the since last time, but I, I want a little shout out. Um, Bob Westfall passed away. Bob Westfall is a friend of mine I, and, a, and a client and uh, was one of our In the 608 musicians. You hear him during our podcast You're gonna all hear the him. time. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and I teased or I, I had promote, teased as in forward promoted uh, he was going to come on and, and talk about the do-it-yourself window replacement option. Right. Um, it was even, I think, back in March, mm-hmm. yeah. just this last, like this year, yeah. in March, that I you may have seen some uh, videos. I shot some time lapse of he and I putting uh, some windows in his house. Yeah. And uh, in the time since then, he became ill. And, uh, and on Saturday, the, the 25th of September... He passed away. Uh, so um, we're gonna we'll we'll have to do somebody somebody else is gonna have to uh, braid the DIY windows. But I'm gonna have have asked Adam uh, is just gonna put a couple Bob Westfall tracks at the tail of the show today. You bet. Um, it was for me a pleasant way to spend some time with him, and uh, and I hope you enjoy that if you knew him. That's fantastic, Ben. I'm sorry for your loss. So we should say thanks to our guest, uh, Bob Stigsell. Gave us a lot of good information today about asbestos and staying safe. And uh, say thanks to the musicians you've been hearing today, including Bob Westfall. Renclaw, El Donk, Oak Street Ramblers, Seesaw, the Mad City Jug Band. Uh, a thank you going out to you, our listeners, for joining us on today's journey of Real Estate in the 608. We do appreciate it. And thanks to you, Ben. Thank well. you, Adam. Why did it take so long to see that they were wrong? No matter what color you are, no matter what God that you see, no matter what country you're born, no matter you're meant to be free.
Looking ahead, are you looking back? Looking ahead, are you looking back? Looking ahead, are you looking back, looking back today? There's no telling what might happen in the future. No crystal ball big enough to see into tomorrow. Question is, do you really want to know what might be what you might never know? Question is, will we be here in the morning? Looking ahead, are you looking back, looking back today? today. 